This is a Scream Queen production. Jen Carpenter, and you're listening to So Dead. It's time for Chapter 3 of True Crime Storytime, sponsored by your local true crime bookshop, Dead Time Stories, True Crime, and Other Books, now online. If you can't make it into the shop to purchase today's featured book, you can order it online and we will ship it right to you. All right, let's get into it. The Three Death Sentences of Clarence Henderson by Chris Joyner was released in January of this year, 2022, and is about a 1948 murder in Georgia. It was a dark and stormy night. No, it really was, and it was Halloween, no less, at a home in rural Carrollton County, about 45 miles west of Atlanta, which, with highways and transportation being what they are today, Carrollton County is considered a suburb of Atlanta. But back in the 1940s, it was a very rural, isolated area. A man living in a secluded country home heard a knock at the front door. But what waited for him on the other side was no trick-or-treater, friends. It was 18-year-old Nan Turner, a local beauty queen, covered from head to toe in blood, screaming frantically. Nan and her boyfriend, 22-year-old Buddy Stevens, son of a prominent local family, he was a military veteran, he was a sophomore at Georgia Tech, Uh, the two had parked out on a dead-end lover's lane for, well, I mean, you guys know what for. While they were parked, a masked man approached the vehicle and ordered Buddy and Nan out of the car at gunpoint. He led them to a more secluded area, down the dead end that they were on, forced them both to the ground, and then he attempted to rape Nan. In an attempt to protect her, Buddy rushed the attacker, and he was shot in the head. He died instantly. Nan took off running into the dark of night, and she ran for about half a mile before she found a house. Nan was unable to tell police anything about her attacker other than that he sounded black. A black man attacking a white teenager and killing a white pillar of the community in 1940s rural Georgia? What happened next was less of a police investigation and more of a rabid mob on the hunt for justice, big air quote around the justice. Several black men were arrested and then just kind of held in secret for days, weeks, months with no evidence. One man was arrested and charged, but he was never brought to trial due to a lack of evidence. And then 18 months after the murder of Buddy Stevens, Carrollton authorities arrested a man by the name of Clarence Henderson. Clarence Henderson was a local sharecropper with a pregnant wife and two young children. He was also a bootlegger, a gambler, and a tussler with a police record. But he'd never been arrested for a violent crime. His wife gave him an alibi. She said that he was home all night that night, and he maintained his innocence. But authorities had what they decided was very strong evidence. They'd linked him to the murder weapon. 
A stolen 38 Special Police revolver was found at a pawn shop in downtown Atlanta. The person who'd sold that gun to the pawn shop was Clarence Henderson, and he was just one of the many people who had owned the gun for a little while since it had been stolen from the police department. But police could not prove that he was the owner of the gun at the time of Buddy's murder. And are you ready for <laughs> are you ready for this part? You're definitely not. The bullet found in Buddy Stevens's brain was not from a 38 special. It was from a 9mm. Now, I know nothing about guns, especially guns from the 1940s, but back then, and maybe still today, I have no idea, a bullet from a 9mm did not fit inside the chamber of a 38 special. It was way too big. So you would think that the fact that they were saying a 38 special was the murder weapon, but then the bullet in Buddy's brain was from a 9mm would clear Clarence Henderson, right? Oh no, authorities had an explanation for that. They said that Clarence must have taken 9mm bullets and filed them down to fit inside the 38. I wish you guys could see my face right now. So again, this murder weapon, air quotes, was the only evidence going into trial. But Clarence Henderson went in front of an all-white jury and a white judge with two white lawyers that didn't give a shit about his case. So the trial lasted one day. There was no defense. No character witnesses were called. His wife was not called to provide an alibi. All his defense attorneys did was put him on the stand to make his own statement, which nobody was interested in listening to. Clarence was found guilty, and he was sentenced to death by electric chair. But when news of his sentencing hit the media circuit, the NAACP took notice, and they were like, hold up, no, we're not doing this, and they assigned two prominent black attorneys to Clarence's case. But they knew they had an uphill battle in this very racially charged case in an overwhelmingly white community, so they brought in white attorney Dan Duke to be the face of the defense. Duke had made a name for himself championing civil rights and battling the KKK, which is a little bit ironic given that his last name is Duke. So the NAACP felt he was the right man to kind of come in and act as the middleman. As fucked up as it is, they knew that they were never going to make headway in Clarence Henderson's case without a white man as their mouthpiece. So this new legal team filed an appeal with the Georgia Supreme Court due to a lack of evidence. They won the appeal and a new trial. The second trial lasted several days, and the defense was solid. And again, the prosecution had nothing except for the murder weapon, which was the wrong type of weapon. But the jury and the judge were still as white as the Pillsbury Doughboy, and again, they found Clarence guilty and sentenced him to death. Again. So Clarence's attorneys filed another appeal with the Georgia Supreme Court, and again they won. So there was a third trial with a whole new white judge and white jury and the same end result as the first two trials, guilty and sentenced to death. For the third time, Clarence's legal team filed an appeal with the Supreme Court. Again they won. And again, Clarence Hutterson was ordered to stand trial for a fourth time. But this time things were different. The case was placed on what's called a dead docket, meaning it was still officially open, but not actively being pursued. 
Basically, the prosecutor's office refused to acquit or exonerate Clarence Henderson or clear his name in any way, but they were just like, fuck it, we give up. So Clarence Henderson was once again a free man, although not a free of the assumption of guilt man, and the murder of Buddy Stevens was never solved. To read all about this case, come pick up a copy of Chris Joyner's new book, The Three Death Sentences of Clarence Henderson, available in-store and online at Deadtime Stories, True Crime, and Other Books. The website is deadtimestories517.com. And that is all for today's True Crime Story Time. A new episode of So Dead is coming your way next week, so stay tuned for that. Until then, keep shining, you magnificent what-the-fucks. fucks